What a privilege is to be here tonight in the presence of the Lord. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. I feel the goodness of God. I know He's already at work. That's just the way the Holy Ghost does. Hallelujah. I've come with great expectations tonight. Uh, God is just such a wonderful Savior. I know I've got some things to say this evening, but I just wanted to say how much I love and appreciate this church. I know that a lot of times I'm not able to be here on Wednesday nights. A lot of times I spend uh, at VA about every other Wednesday getting radium radium treatments in my eyes. And uh, But I'm so glad that I know you and I know the Lord. You know, the Lord made two great commandments. He left us with two great commandments. And he said every law and all prophets hung on this. That we are to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our strength. All these things. And then he went on to say to love the Lord, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he said. I don't think you can be saved unless you can do those things. And I think one is just appealing to one like loving your neighbor, loving people is just as important as loving God. Hallelujah. I believe that with all of my heart tonight. So everything I may say tonight will lean on all that. I believe this, that victory in this world and over this world depends on how much you love Jesus. And I'll say one more thing and what you're going to do about it. And what you're going to do about that. So everything that we are here for tonight depends on that quality right there. Victory in this world and over this world depends on how much you love Jesus. You can beat anything that you need to overcome in the world if you love Jesus enough. Every problem you got can be solved if you love Jesus enough. You can have victory over the pride of life. You can have victory over the lust of the flesh. You can have victory over the lust of the eye. You can do all these things if you just love Jesus enough and you're willing to do something about it. That's what I think. I know somebody else that spoke along those lines. But tonight I'm going to speak to you for just a little while. On the, so if you see me squinting and looking down, it's because of all them radium treatments that's healed, supposed to be healing my eyes. Hmm. It ain't what you think it is. <laughs> all right. I want to preach to you or teach, try to teach to you tonight. That's what I want to do because this is Wednesday night Bible study. And, and every ministry is different. Mine has changed because there's seasons you'll find, brother, as you live for God long enough that there will be seasons in your ministry that will change. 
Hallelujah. You know, uh, depending where you're at, what you're doing, and what God wants you to do. Hallelujah. So, uh, uh, I want to talk about tonight, you know, I've talked about here in the past about the necessity, the need of having the Holy Ghost. And I think we've seen some results and all of that, but tonight I want to talk to you about contend or contending for the faith. Over in Jude, verse 3, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly Now that word earnestly means to sincerely. Even in the Webster Dictionary says it, it, you ain't goofing off. You ain't playing around about this thing. That's what it says. Not time to play. This is not any time to become complacent because of the times that we're living in today. Hallelujah. I know that everybody knows enough of what's going on around this world. Amen. That know that we're in a time of perplexity. That we're in a time of confusion. Amen. The whole world doesn't have any direction of where they're going. Hallelujah. I've learned one thing. Every time you get away from God for a little bit, and I'm talking this on a personal basis, when you get away from God for just a little while, it takes the Lord to come back because I've noticed that he done it with his disciples. That when he came back, he had to say, Peace be unto you. The world's not enjoying any peace because they're slipping away. The world is slipping away from the things of moral, moral principles and moral values, uh, any kind of righteousness. Amen. The world is slipping away from you and, and we in the church are going to have to learn how to sincerely contend for the faith. you got to contend for the faith. what I'm saying.
fight for the church. Fight for the faith that you and I have gotten. We don't want to lose it. We don't want to have to start searching for it. We've got all the gifts of the Spirit. we got everything that we need. we got nine gifts of the Spirit. We don't want to slip away from us because we're going to need them. Hallelujah. We're going to need all those things. We got a five-fold ministry that we have got to hold to. Because it is the government of the church. It is the guide to the church. It is how the church is grounded. It is how we are rooted. It's what keeps us established in a world that is going awry. So, reading just above some all of this, it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God and the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love, be multiplied. The one thing I've learned about Jude, Jude was not an apostle. Jude was a common, I don't know if he was a prophet, I don't know if he was a teacher, but he says here that he desired, he said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you to the common salvation. He, I don't know what he had in mind. But he just wanted to write to you, to the church, a letter on the common salvation. We can sit down and try to figure all of that out if we want to. Amen. It might have been something on peace. It might have been something on heaven. It might have been something on resurrection. It might have been something on the blood. It may have been something that that was common in our salvation that he needed, that he thought he wanted to write to us about. But he says, I write in you the common salvation, and it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you to earnestly contend for the faith. Why? I feel like the Holy Ghost was constraining him to write about what we need to do in our day. Hallelujah. He goes on in verse 4 and he says, For there are certain men, crafty and unawares, who have before of ordained to the condemnation ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. If we get to a place that we've got people that are denying the Lord Jesus Christ, They are denying the power of the resurrection. They're trying to rob from us what we and I believe about what the power of the resurrection does for you and I. Amen. He rose up out of the grave. Amen. On the third day, we believe that. If we didn't believe that, all of our running is in vain. They are those who would try to make us believe that there is no power in prayer. That we're just wasting our time. They would like to, the enemy of this world would love to rob that from us. But there are some things that would try to slip in on you and I, amen, to try to break us. And that's what the, the apostle, that's what Jude is trying to tell us here as he goes on a little bit further. In verse 5, he says, I will therefore put 
because this, see, this, gets, this gets really sincere now. Because it's, so I'd like to put you in remembrance through, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. That's the truth. Hallelujah. So what, what he's trying to say in the Holy Ghost is that if we're not careful, something can slip into our lives and make this very thing happen because see, see some people just think that you know grace is just going to cover everything, everything, everything. And eventually we find out, he says there in Hebrews chapter 3, I'm going to go there just for a moment. I'm sorry. There she comes. I'm losing my spots here. Okay, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. Let's read it. It says, My word. For we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So we are partakers of the Lord if we can keep our confidence in the Lord. But there's things that want to rob and steal us of that of our confidence in God. That's what those the, that deny the faith would like for you and I to believe is that we're going to lose our confidence in the Lord. And these things can really happen because I, I know in the hour we're living in that we're tried on every hand. I mean, I know that every one of you probably experienced things here that you've never experienced. Uh, amen. Uh, temptations that's come upon you that you never realized. And, and you're saying to yourself, how in the world did that ever happen to me? I mean, I have a late, a late here. I've even, uh, uh, I've even went to the Lord in prayer. And I've asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't even know what to pray for. I don't even have to pray about this. And the Lord understands that because so many, I told the Lord one night in prayer, I said, you know, Lord, there's so many voices that's going on right now. I know your voice, but there's so many other voices right now that is constraining my brain. Amen. I can't think just right, God. I can't even get in the spirit of prayer just right, Lord. I need your help. How many's ever felt that way? I have. I've felt that way of life. I was praying, trying to pray the prayer of faith for my wife not long ago. As most of you know, my wife got uh, uh, very sick week before last, uh, Sunday before last, coming to church. We usually start by Hardy's over there, grab a biscuit, get on over here to church. Maybe men called it takes about an hour and ten minutes to get here. We, we left there. Wasn't very long. I told my wife, I said, boy, there's something wrong with this biscuit. I ain't eating that thing. Throw it away, and she threw it down next thing. You know, my wife's got food balls. And that's why my wife's not been here. But here's the point. I've prayed and prayed and prayed. Amen. And I hear the I hear the voice. I hear all these voices. 
I'd hear all these different things. Now I'm not crazy, folks, I'm telling you. I'm not, I'm not wacky. But really, you know, and, 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 and I'm trying to think of everything I know how to do. Amen. And everything's kind of mixed up and confused. And I'm, this is this prayer. I'm praying to God. And pretty soon I, this voice, just, you know, the Lord just speaks to my heart. And he said, and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Wow. Do you know my wife, Bonnie, my wife coming to the bed? to the living room a little while after that. She asked me, she said, Bob, will you please pray for me? I'm afraid. She's been throwing up for days now. And I walked over there and I laid hands on her and I prayed for her in the name of the Lord. You know, the next day she was all right. Everything was fine. We spent the whole day together. But, but again, by that night, she was sick again. So when I come to church this week, I end up, we end up taking to the doctor. Well, thing you know, they don't do nothing. I end up coming to the church, you know, and I'm telling the Lord, you know, I don't know what to pray for. But you know, in Romans, contending for the faith, the Bible says that you can pray for nothing and not knowing what you're praying for, but the Holy Ghost will make intercession for you. Sunday I was here in the church and I was back there on the back row you know back there in the back worshiping the Lord and you know it just seemed like there was that holding binding spirit I just kept worshiping the Lord kept calling on the bank of the Lord amen that's contending for the faith that is fighting for the faith I began I just kept working worshiping the Lord glorifying the Lord and then the next thing you know the Holy Ghost began to I just man all of a sudden I just felt free I felt at liberty the Holy Ghost began I began to speak in other tongues at the spirit of God And I knew it was not the thing that I'm using generally do. I could hear. And that voice began to, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, know this. I have given you power over all the unclean spirits. I know I'm supposed to be holding that thing. I have given you power over all the unclean clean spirit. I knew that in the back of my mind. Why couldn't I bring that forth? But I needed the reassurance of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That I was contending for the faith. I was contending for the Lord Jesus Christ. I was not going to deny my God. Contending for the faith. Hallelujah. Here's some of the things we got to watch out for. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the days of provocation. He was talking about Israel. But he's reminding you and I. That's what, Paul, that's what Jude is trying to say to you and I. Bring this back to remembrance because in the days that are to come. See, I don't know how Jude knew what this day was going to be like unless the Holy Ghost showed it all to him. Now, right? Hallelujah. And so, and so he, he, he goes on to say, he says, harden not your hearts as in the days of provocation. 
For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved? Forty years. Wow, there's a question for you. Who was he grieved with for 40 years then? Was it not with them that had sinned? When, when carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom was he that, that they should not enter into his wrath? But to them that what? Believed not. You can ask my wife in this time of sickness uh, in this past week, Brother, uh, Brother Bird, I, I asked, I told my wife, I reached over to her and I was weeping and I told my wife, I'm sorry that I don't have the faith. When I don't believe, it bothers me. I feel like something's wrong because I know the word of God. Jesus warned her. The Pharisees and the scribes, uh, the uh, 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 Pharisees and the scribes. He told them one time. He said, "You do err from the Scripture, not knowing the power of God." So what do I do? What do we need to all do? Begin to search. Search my heart. Make sure it's not hard. Make sure something hasn't got in there to bring in the spirit of, of doubt and unbelief inside of my heart. Amen. Not harden myself against something that God is uh, happening unto me. Amen. Maybe a time of pruning when God wants to cut some things off of me. I need to know the voice of God that's telling me I've cut these things off because you're going to bring forth my fruit but that's true. You're going to be a better person when I get through with you. And in the days we're living in, we need to be better people than we are. Every time we come to church, we need to walk away being a better person than we were when we got there. Because I'm telling you, the world will be farther away when you leave the church tomorrow. So they can, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. That's a scary thought. That is a very scary thought to think that we can't make it in because of unbelief and belief and faith is what got us where we're at. Hallelujah. Is this all making kind of sense now that we kind of got going here? Notice here. Verse 6 it says, And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitations he had reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great that great day. He's talking about the heavenlies now. That's what Jude is trying to remind us of. Amen. I don't know. How did how did you know that? But there had to be some because in this first verse we read about Israel here. If you was under 20, if you was 20 years and older when you came out of Egypt, boing, you're out of the picture now. Somebody was contending, somebody had to keep the faith. 
somebody did believe. Was it Joshua and Caleb? Hallelujah. Somebody kept the faith. In heaven, in those heavenly things. Where is it that it's in, in Second Peter here? Let me read something in Second Peter. I know I'm slow. All the mold. <laughs> For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now there's several places in the Bible that you can go back and you research them out and you can depict which one you would like to think that, uh, that caused all this calamity amongst all the... But here's the whole point. They left their first estate. I'm telling you, church, what God doesn't want you to do is get out of the way of this church. You need to stay right here where you've been born again of the water and the spirit. Amen. You need to claim your victory. You need to stand up on this old gospel. Amen. And keep preaching it and keep living it and keep walking it, keep singing it, keep praising it. Hallelujah. It goes on to say in verse 5, he says, And spare not the old world, but save Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with their overflow, making them an example unto all those that are afterwards lived ungodly. That's what... That's the fear that Paul writes about in, the, in, in, in Thessalonians. He says in the last days there shall what? Come a great falling away. Because people continue to get complacent with all the things that we got nowadays. And I believe that the Lord puts us in situations in our lives amen, that there's no way we can get out of it without His help. Any way you turn. Hey, I took my wife to the hospital after that second time that I prayed for her and the Lord just touched her and healed her. Amen. She got up and just all, all well all over again. That's the truth, I'm telling you. Again, we went off and had a, we tried to enjoy it, tried to give her some relaxation. We ended up putting her in emergency room. You know what they done? Stuck IVs in her arm and charged me $174. And that's about all the good I got. You see what I mean? Sometimes they're just, you know what? And then, and then, you know, a little while later she got good. She got better again. This thing just kept repeating its cycle. And I kept thinking about what the Lord told me. I have given you don't necessarily have to be devils they can be people they're people that's full of, un- full of unfaith they're full of unbelief they're full of doubt and hospitals are full of 
hospital, you're walking down the halls of doubt and unbelief. Now, I'm not against doctors and everything. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't have my wife up there. This makes sense to you. I'm preaching a different tonight, and I guess than I've ever taught and preached and They'll just say a long time. But it's something I've been dealing with here for quite a while. Because I want you to notice something. I want to go back over to Jude again. From the very first verses there that we read, we see this constraining spirit. I want to read something to you. Enoch, 14th verse says, And Enoch also the Sabbath from Adam prophesied of these sayings because the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. How did he know that? If you read about Enoch in Genesis, it doesn't say anything about that. Enoch was and then he was not. It doesn't say anything about him prophesying. There's all kinds of reasons for it, but here's what I think. I believe it was that constraining Holy Ghost. He knew what we were going to need in this hour. We, need to hear, we needed to hear that prophecy. And he, re, and he let Jude know enough. Amen. Because remember, Jude wanted to write about the common salvation. Now he's talking about something, amen, that's going to be hundreds and hundreds of years down the line. Amen. Just before the Lord's coming in the last days, uh, and He says unto him, and He says, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied that He said, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints. Here's the point: to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them all their ungodly deeds, which they ungodly committed. And of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Wow. It doesn't pay to fight God. If I could give some good advice tonight, here's what I would give anyone that's wrestling with, and I really feel like this tonight. There are folks wrestling with their salvation right now. I believe that. I can feel it in the Holy Ghost. But I can give you some sound advice. Be sure that you respond to spiritual influence. It's a dangerous thing not to respond to spiritual influence. It's so easy just to push it off to the side. I'll try next time. I believe spiritual influence comes by a lot of ways. We got a, we got different administrations in the Holy Ghost. We got nine gifts of the Spirit. We got angels that bring visions and dreams to you and I. 
Yet, see, there's still some angels. Only one-third of them got cast down. There's about two-thirds, from what I understand, amen, that's still working for the Lord. That's They're watching over. They ain't camped all around about us. I believe that on my heart tonight. But we need to learn how to respond to spiritual influence. When the Holy Ghost is talking to you through the ministry, through the pastor, through the teacher, amen, through the prophet, amen, through the evangelist, you need to respond to that call because it's a dangerous thing, amen, not to yield to the Spirit of the Lord. Because God said, my Spirit will not deal with man always. Where am I at here? All right, I got time now. All right. So we find out, here's, here's, here's my point, that them angels that were cast down, trodden like they were, and they are now in chains of darkness waiting for the judgment, it was because of what? Rebellion. They rebelled against God. They left their first estate to rebel against God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In verse 7 it says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, we read something about that, and the cities about them, in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are they false? Set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Whoa. I think you see where this is all leading up to tonight. Because I said, you know, when we was talking about our faith, keeping the Holy Ghost, I want to read to you the last. If you go to verse 17, if you're following me in your Bible there, before he begins to talk about building up yourself in the Holy Ghost, in verse 17 it says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be martyrs in the last days. Wow. Dangerous business. Mocking the move of God is dangerous business. It can get you in deep trouble. He said, so in the last days there's going to be mockers. There are people that are, are imitators. They like to mimic things. They like to cause displeasure and untruth. They like to jest about things that they don't know what they're talking about. I got an example of this keeps going over in my mind when we're on what he just was. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last times who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Now I want you to listen here. What it says here now. These be they that who separate themselves sensual. Sensuals having not the spirit. Wow. Now we have gone 
from where Jude is trying to tell us to be earnest and contending for the faith. To now that he's brought us to this point here. I remember Brother Bird not long uh, preaching about Samson. You remember that scripture where you said that he wished not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him? And you made some kind of statement. I may not repeat it verbally, but it was on the, on the things that he... It, that's just a... That's something I really wouldn't want to happen to them. They were nothing... They would nothing scare me anymore than if I walked out of a service just thinking I'll just wait the next time. I'll just, oh, you know, I just don't believe that right now. And with that little small, that little mocking attitude, that little complaining spirit, you know, and just say, no, not today. And then the Lord just say, I'm going. I'm out of here. Is that scary to you? Man, it just scares me to know that. See, if you're these people, he said, you know what essential means? Essential means there's somebody that doesn't care anything but about himself. The only thing he cares about is, is his body, his lust, his wants, his desires. That's what it means. Having not the spirit. I want you to go with me just for a minute here. I got a few more minutes here. Yeah. Uh, just ring the bell over there or something, or swing the shirt tail or something. In the eight chapters of St. John, a little incident happened, and I'm not going to elaborate on it because that's not what I'm talking about tonight. Here's a little, a little incident where a woman who was caught in the very And the most scribes and Pharisees, they brought him to Jesus. And, and if you'll read what it says about him, I think it's uh, in the fifth verse, it says, and here's what they brought to him. Let me go up to the fourth verse. It says, And they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken on adultery in the very act. And now Moses and the law commanded us that we should be stoned. She'd be stoned. But what sayest thou? Now, they're mockers because they said, Here's what the sixth verse says. And this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, rolled on the ground, and as he, though he had not heard them. I believe he stooped down, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I've heard him talk about uh, what is right on the ground right now, and that doesn't mean anything because I still don't know what it is. That's but he stooped down, I believe, to get the contention or the thoughts or the, or, or the people off their minds off of that adulterous woman and, and get it on him. Right. Amen. He didn't have to answer them a word because that's what they were looking for because that's what they said. What sayest thou? They were trying, they really wanted to kill him. They wanted to destroy him. They wanted to catch him in a lie. And so he says, and so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself, said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and rode upon the ground. And verse 9 says, And they which would heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, 
went out one by one, beginning with the eldest, even unto the last. Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself, and he, and he saw none there but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where is thine accuser? Hast thou no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee, and go and sin no more. Now, he knows what the attitude of these people. Now, I know Jesus is very kind. Very, I know in his spirit, he's not trying to trap anybody. He's not trying to hurt anybody. He's not trying to get contentious with somebody. But I want you here. Here's where it just gets a little bit better. It says, and then spake Jesus in them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. They just called Jesus a liar. Wow. That's quite a statement, ain't it? Now listen to what Jesus says, though. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear a record of myself, my record is true, for I know where I came and I and whether I go, but you cannot tell whether I came and whether I go. You judge after the flesh; I judge no more. And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am my Father as with me. I got. It. I'm coming to a point. And it was written in your law that the testimony of two is true, and I am one that bear record of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth record of me. And then said they unto him, Where is thy Father? And Jesus said, See, Jesus is trying to reveal to them who he really is. And they're calling him in the liar. Your record's not true. They're like what Jude was talking about over there, them that deny the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, and I'm going to say, and you neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasure as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour had, was not yet come. Verse 21, listen to this. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way. Whoops. And you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Wow. Whether I go, you cannot come. That's pretty. I don't see much mercy. I don't, I don't see any remission. I don't see any time of repenting there. Where I go, you cannot go. I can't imagine not going anywhere that God is not at. Because everywhere I've been with God, it's always been joy, peace, righteousness, safety. Anything I ever needed, He took care of my cares. He took care of my problems. He took care of my troubles. He's everything to me. 
I have learned that love. I'm, I made a, I thought this about this the other day. And I thought, you know, I'm going to tell the church something. I'm going to tell the church I don't want to go to heaven because of hell. I want to go to heaven because of him. I'm not trying to escape hell. I'm trying to find him. I'm trying to get a He's the one I want to get a hold of. He's the one I want to see. I want to see my deliverer. I want to see him who loved me. I want to see the one who went to the cross and died for my sin, resurrected from the grave, gave me the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to see that God. I ain't going to escape hell. I'm going to see shall seek me and shall die in your sins wherever I go. You just can't come. Wow. I guess one of the worst things is for a little guy around all of his bigger brothers and sisters is when they look back at you and say you can't go. What a downer. I think the biggest downer would be if Jesus looked at you and that trumpet sounds one day. And he says, you can't go. Wow. Why? And they said to him, you are beneath and I am from above. You are of this world and I am not of this world. And I said, therefore, in you that you shall die in your sins. For it is, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Wow. And they said to them, Who art thou then? And Jesus said unto them, Even as the, as the same that I said unto you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Jesus said in one place, he says, yes. It's not me that you're hearing, but it's the Father. He's saying this. You shall die in your sins. So, I'm going to go to one other thing here tonight. I don't have time to teach all this stuff. I love God. I do. I know probably tonight my ministry is changing quite a bit from when I was young. But I'm hoping that in my older age that I can leave something for the church in this hour and say some things from experience. I have found out, sound out Mr. Sister Bobby, they don't have to run up down the aisles to get everybody's attention. All I got to do is talk about the love of God. You know, the Apostle Paul, I'm, I'm closing with this. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, uh, 15 16, or 16, 15, I don't know. It's over there. See, the Apostle Paul, 
I can find it for you. I can prove it. The apostle Paul was nearly blind. He's like me. This is true. And he actually had scribes or secretaries, as one called them that, that literally, I mean, he wrote, I mean, he, he, he wrote these words that we're reading in these books today, but he actually had some scribe to write them down. Hold on. I know you got this few minutes. You know. I got to be over at prison in Swanee, 915 in the morning. So. I mean, this is. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 24 says this. I mean, uh, verse 21. The salutations of me, Paul, with mine own hand. Remember I just told you that he always had somebody else to write, but he gets to this point right here. I don't know if he can clearly even see how to write this real good. He says, but the salutations I write with my own hand. So it had to be a very important thing for him to be writing this. And he goes on to say, and this has always kind of scared me because I never understood it, and I'll tell you how this happened in just a minute, and we'll give credit to who credit is due. And if any man, listen to this, Repeat it in your mind as I said. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Maranatha. Wow. Wow. Listen to this. This is the Seasons of Sundays, Volume 1, T.F. Tenney. So I'm not trying to take the credit for what he says here. Man, I just, you won't believe this. I bought this book months and months and months ago. It's been laying on the shelf because I got all kinds of books that have been, you know, I, I read a lot. I'm still catching up on some other books. But the other day, lad, this past week, I walked into my bedroom and there that book sitting there and I just, I don't know if it's a Lord or what, and it just says, you know, read that book. So sit the cricket, I reached down, I picked up this old book, and I started reading it. Title of this was a Sunday school lesson that he gave way back a long time ago, and it was called Anathema Maranatha. Whoa. That caught my attention real quick because I had no idea what that meant. Not at all. All right. So I'm going to read it from the book. Okay, is that all right? It's something I don't generally ever do, but it's a Bible study, so it's okay. Paul, as he concluded the letter to the Corinthians, said with mine own hand, that scribe has, had been writing, suddenly the apostle gives, give me the quill. Let me dip it into the ink. I want to write something that is important. I want the church to stand at attention when they hear what I am about right and it will man this thing grasps me so hard you can ask my wife man I come running into the kitchen there I said man you'll read what I just read understandably anything Paul literally penned with his own hand would have an unusual importance attached to it we can only imagine that it was with great physical difficulty he picked up the quill and wrote if any man hath not the Lord Jesus Hath not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, 
Maranatha. The word anathema, as near as we are able to translate it in the English, according to the Strong's, means a curse, a ban, excommunication. That's what Strong said. A study of some scholarly commentaries will show that at the time Paul wrote those words, it meant, listen to this, when Paul wrote these words, it said it meant a horrible, pernicious atrocity. Curse. What? The translator of the King James Version could not find an equivalent word in the English that captured the depth of the word in its original aromatic and Greek. The only thing they knew to do was to leave it as it was, leave it in the raw. They simply could find no English equivalent to the horror of this curse. It was a word used in the Hebrew to speak of a man who was forever banished from the synagogue and the presence of God. One Hebrew translator spent four paragraphs trying to interpret the depth of the word. He went back and placed curses upon all the forebears, upon all the posterity, upon all the past, the present, the future. This word was the deepest curse available in the Hebrew language. The Apostle Paul says that if any man loves not the Lord Jesus, let him be accursed with a horrible, pernicious, eternal, final banishment from the presence of God. Then he added the word Maranatha, which meant our Lord has come. He mixed terror and tenderness. It was the terror of not loving Jesus coupled with the tenderness of our Lord come. here now, verse paragraphs. Usually when we speak of the love of God, we speak of it apart from terror or cursing or horror or banishment. Yet Paul in his tremendous mind weaved the two together in the closing salutations of his first letter to the Corinthians. Wow. Banishment. From the synagogue and from the presence of God. Won't you stand in line? When I read that, I was so hurting. Hurting in the heart. I can't even imagine, Brother Osborne, somebody or meeting somebody. With that dilemma in their life. Wow. I believe tonight, while we have opportunity, I know it's closing hours. 
But you remember what I said in the beginning here. It's a dangerous thing not to respond. Dangerous thing. There's a story, and this won't take but a minute. There's a story of a man who had a brother. This man was a brother in the church. He had a brother that is always trying to get to go to church. Always trying to get him to come. Till one day he comes to his brother and he says, I ran in, I saw Jesus today. He's the most compassionate person I've ever seen. He said, he stood right in front of me and he said, follow me. He said he turned around and he started down this long path. Said he never looked back until eventually he vanished. And his brother asked his brother, said, well, why didn't you follow him? Oh, just another day. Several days later, that man was dead. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to wake, wake us up and to, to let us know it's not time to get complacent in the Lord. It's not time to sit back and take our ease. We got too many people depending on us. The world depends on this church. And we're the only ones that makes the difference between heaven and hell tonight. I love you, church, with all of my heart. And I hope I've said something tonight that'll make you wake up and maybe go home and tell your loved ones what we need to hear. Let's contend for this faith. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.